And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that thinks it's over. Wait, wait, wait. I'm just hearing, just in, breaking news. It's We're back. Actually, bad news. Um, that was a false alarm. It is actually over now. No, 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 no. We're back. We're back. We're back. What's up, Austin? I'm Tim Cato. We're just uh, in states of uh, back to not back. It's kind of been Twitter the the the, the past few days. I I would say we're we're not back yet. I would say we're <laughs> we're, we're we're in a holding pattern for now. <laughs> we're we're yeah we're definitely not back up just just yet. Um, the past few weeks though, there's been a little bit of that going on. Uh, still a little bit of that going back on. Honestly, applies to a lot of things. Twitter, uh, just as a medium. Just as a as a website, as an internet site, so have have oh the boy. Mavericks hit their rate limit? Oh, coming yeah. coming up next. <laughs> uh, I saw Isaac Harris made uh, opened a a locked on episode with that joke, and it was uh it was well executed. So <laughs> ever ever since we did our uh, cold open about uh, LeBron James getting traded to the Mavericks on on the Fourth of July, that phone call you need to make to me that's tomorrow. So, I mean, it, it could still happen. It just, yeah, be be near your phone when you need to tell me to listen to the Daily Ding. Kyrie is here, so Kyrie is he, here. He he can recruit. Let's let's start there, and then we'll get into what's coming next and the signings that have been made. But Austin, tell me why the Mavericks just uh, drastically overpaid Kyrie Irving, who nobody wanted. Why is that the case? Explain it to me. That's just how the business goes. He's a star player. That's 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 the going rate for a guy who's uh scoring 27 points a night on 50 40 90. And he wasn't going to play here for 10 million dollars a year. That was just that was never going to happen. That's a uh, a fantasy land and a place where egos and pride exist. Uh And, and there's there's sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying that that's just like it's that's just how the basketball business is is done. You could have lowballed him and tried to pay him 10 million dollars a year and that would have gone very badly that would have gone poorly and he would not be playing here so <laughs> right and if if the mavericks offered him three for 60 i guarantee you there's some teams out there that first of all they're like oh uh we are not interested in Kyrie three years 126 million but that's all it takes to get Kyrie irving on our team uh 
we reverse our previous stance about how he's unemployable. But it's not a it's not really that. That's not really the deal. That's not really what this is. Everybody's saying there's not a market for Kyrie. There is. It's a one team market, which, yes, that's not how the free market works. But the Mavericks traded for Kyrie to sign him to the max or the near max. They established themselves as being in that market. And you cannot come back from that. You cannot undercut him. You cannot underpay him. Once you establish your own self, your own team, your own commitment and actions towards trading for this player, those actions can be questioned. And we have been questioning them. We questioned it when it happened. But you cannot backtrack and say, oh, we were going to sign you to this money, but everybody else is saying they don't want to do that, so we don't want to do that either. This was his going rate, and the fact that he got, you know, Eight million less than he could have, uh, maybe more than that. We'll we'll see how the exact structure plays out, and I think it's dependent on what happens. I think it, you know, I, I think they're going to try to front load it, not, not, not so that he's making more money in the first year than the than the last year, but I, I think they're going to try to do, you know, forty, forty three, forty six, um, rather than you know, th- or those aren't quite the right numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but they're going to try to put more money up sooner as much as it is applicable within the exceptions that they lose that's that they actually use the summer that's why we don't have the exact figure or structure of the deal yet uh because it really depends on what else they do but yeah it's it was a one-team market and again it's not capitalism at its finest but when is it ever yeah i mean in the reason he's a dallas maverick is because he didn't get an extension from the Brooklyn nets that's why he demanded a trade the trade deadline he he wanted to have long-term money and he was traded here with the idea that he was going to get a long-term lucrative contract. And that's just that's just how the business works. I mean, it's not surprising that he got this money. I think that was I think it was generally a pretty a pretty good deal that they worked together so that they could stay uh under whatever line it is that they need to get the full mid-level exception. Uh seems like they they worked Pending together. Pending Tim that. Hardaway trade, et cetera. Yeah. But yes. But yes. Yeah. And so it looks like they they didn't just give him the full max. If they had just gave him the full max, that I think that would have been just you know not not great, you know. But giving him the full max, that's a very expensive contract. I think the third year, you know, it being a player option, you know, by the time we get to two years from now, either this is going great and he opts in, or it's actually going great and he opts out and he resigns, or it's not going that great and he opts in and he's getting traded. So, or it's at, going at great for rate, him and he opts out and. Everybody who's mad gets their wish anyway. Maybe if he goes yeah. somewhere else. So I, I I think two years with a player option is is a good length just because we'll know whether this is working or not in two years. We'll have a very clear idea of Kyrie Irving as a Dallas Maverick. Who's to say what's happening at that time? I'm not going to make any guarantees when it comes to Kyrie Irving. But I think two years is a long enough time frame to figure that out. Yes, I agree. That's what he was negotiating for. He wasn't negotiating for max money. He was negotiating for a player option, not a team option in the third year. And that's that's probably where the swell of meetings that man they sure wrapped up quickly record time and all those meetings as he's posting uh you know just uh, very insightful uh, memes on his on his Instagram story <laughs> but no I, it's a good deal man uh, if you're mad at the deal that Kyrie Irving signed what you're mad at is either that they traded for him which you know what that's fair or you're mad that. You know, he's continued to be employed by the Dallas Mavericks, which, you know, I think that's also probably fair. You know, those are both opinions that I think are valid to have, depending on who you are. But 
the Mavericks didn't feel that way. Um, Luka Doncic didn't feel that way. And that's where the Mavericks have decided to put their short-term slash semi-long-term future. It's in Kyrie Irving. That's scary based off all the history of Kyrie Irving, of course. But we also saw that he is a very, very good basketball player. And uh, this is what you are going to have to do to bring him back to your team. So I mentioned it just a second ago, but Tim Hardaway Jr., I he will be traded. It's, you know, we know that they're trying to trade him and we know that it's likely, I think that the Seth Curry signing indicates that they feel total confidence that they're going to be able to trade him. They need to trade him to unlock the full mid-level, which they probably will use in some fashion or another. What do you find most interesting about, you know, where things are at or, or what direction the Mavericks can pursue? Because a lot of it hinges around trades and trades that may not materialize until the big trades get done, which is Damian Lillard and big gap, but then James Harden, but also restricted free agents, of course, which is Matisse Thibel, um, PJ Washington, and most notably in, in who I feel strongest about in a very small, you know, S not capital letter, strong sense that, I do have this inkling that somehow Grant Williams is going to end up here, but that's where the market has kind of settled for what Dallas is trying to do and and for what is yet to happen in the NBA overall. Yeah, I think they're swimming in the very murky waters of restricted free agency. If it ends up being some sort of acquisition of Grant Williams, I think that's fine. It's a good, good rotation player. He's played a lot of playoff games. Uh, if it's Matisse Thibel, I, I actually don't think that's a great signing. I think I'd rather find other avenues uh to wrap up that money in um but Grant Williams, I, I think i would have gone for jalen mcdaniel or Jaden yeah. jalen jalen mcdaniels over McDaniels. matisse libel yeah yeah i think i'd much rather have grant williams who's a, i think a serviceable good rotation wing or torian and, prince or torian prince or even I, I would prefer both of those players over matisse or even tory craig someone like that yeah I think. yeah, yeah. But I think are just much more playable in a playoff series so if it's grant williams i think that's great if it's matisse libel that's i think uh not great. I would say this is pretty much as a failure. That would be that that's a that's not a, a great use of that level exception. As far as a trade goes, I mean, it's just so hard to know what what kind of trade they're trying to concoct for Tim Hardware. There's just so many permu just like we talked about before the draft. There's so many different permutations that are possible when it comes to a hardware trade. And it's kind of difficult to see to know what the league how the league views him. He's a good player. He was actually really, really good once Kyrie was here. His his number he was one of the best three-point shooters in basketball when Kyrie was here in the second half of the season. He's on a moderately good deal. He's in his early 30s. So it's it's just it's hard to really know what his true value is. Um but if they can somehow pull off a starting global center and get Grant Williams, I think that's a pretty successful offseason. I think it's gonna take time. I think it's nerve-wracking for the fan base to see all these free agents come off the board, but there's not really any free agent that came off the board that I thought they really missed out on, unless it's some of those, maybe those smaller wing players that we, that we talked about. Yeah. And, and Tim Hardaway's juniors are weird one because it, there makes, it makes a lot of sense if he's included in. So if Grant Williams is a sign and trade, I, I think that both great Grant Williams agency and the Boston Celtics are both incentivized to suggest that if you just offer an outright you know, full mid-level offer 
and it's an offer sheet because Grant Williams is a restricted free agent, both parties are incentivized to indicate that Boston's going to match that. Grant Williams wants more money than that. The Boston Celtics want a little bit of something in return uh, in a, in a sign-in trade. I don't know whether Boston would. It would put them way into the into the penalty, uh, into the luxury tax. But they would do that, and they wouldn't be able to trade him without his permission. That's that's a good point. And the way that it's been explained to me is that it, it does that still apply to the new CBA? You you saw that it's, recently? Yeah, it, he I, wouldn't. He would have a veto on any trade for one year. It, I, I swear, I saw that. Is is that gone? Uh, is that gone? Is it- I, I haven't seen that that's gone. I saw that that was still applicable, but I haven't I haven't read through the 600 page document. <laughs> OK, OK, I'll get Larry Kuhn on the on the phone after this. Uh, and I'll, I'll when I tweet this podcast out, I'll, I'll issue a clarification on which one it is. But I, I think the way that Boston would match it's it's not to keep him. It's to retain the value and, and look to trade him. But even then, you know, what are you, you, you know, if, if they trade him at the deadline, they're not trading him for another player. And so if he's going to be in the rotation and then out of the rotation, you know, it kind of feels likelier to commit to one path or the other. That said, both parties are incentivized to say, yeah, Boston's going to match because they want, you know, if, if Grant Williams is going to leave and he's going to go to Dallas, they want it to be in a sign trade because, it, it, you know, it works better for both of them. So does Dallas call the bluff? Do they get enough intel and just say, yeah, no, we're just going to sign him outright? Or do they try to sign and trade him? you know, give Grant Williams a couple million more over the, you know, over the mid-level, which they may not want to do. You know, they may view him as his value, you know, starts at 12.4 million. Um, But then if it's, if it's a sign and trade, all of a sudden, you know, they're not sending any money to Boston. Boston doesn't want Tim Hardaway Jr. They don't want more money. They don't want, you know, they, they might not want Grant Williams at 12.4. They definitely don't want Tim Hardaway Jr. at 18.9. Uh, so then you move Tim Hardaway Jr. to San Antonio, which is one of the few teams left with cap space. Does San Antonio want Tim Hardaway Jr.? If that answer is a no, then you got to go find a fourth team that wants Tim Hardaway Jr. that has a salary that's about Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, level that they can just swap it. And then all of a sudden, it's that other salary that's going into space for San Antonio. But it has to be a player that San Antonio is fine taking on. And then that team has to probably send some assets to San Antonio to make it work. And, you know, that's a roadblock for, you know, a fourth team. What if one team is willing to take Tim Hardaway, but they can't agree on the, you know, what they want to send San Antonio to be compensated for allowing this to happen. And then Dallas doesn't have a lot of extra picks. They've got one second rounder. They've got a couple pick swaps that they could technically they do. They have a 2017 or 2027, a 2027 first rounder that could only be sent unprotected or it could be sent protected, but it doesn't convey if it falls in the protections. One way is very valuable. One way is not so valuable. And so just these are the complications that Dallas is working through. It's a lot to work through and it's a lot of getting close to something and then hitting a dead end and having to start back over and you're doing multiple things all at once. And so this is just one example with Grant while the team is also you know, checking in, hey, Cleveland, what do you want for Jared Allen? Is this even a starting point for us? What if the option is Jared Allen instead of Grant Williams because of the mach- the machinations, the mechanisms that it would take to get one player would, you know, f- foreclude the team from going and getting the other player? 
And that's like, basically you got to get, you have to get to the end point of every deal and then compare them all side by side and say, we feel like this one's the most valuable. And that's why I don't think we're going to see any immediate movement for at least a couple more days. And, you know, July 6th is the day that I think things start heating up, you know, not only because restricted free agents can sign offer sheets, but uh, just that's when everything's going to start moving again is, is my best guess. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's very very complicated. And I think that's when the the Sacramento trade can go through on July sixth, correct. And if they wanted to in- involve any other teams in that deal, they have up until that day to resolve that. So that's also it, correct. Yeah, they're they're juggling a lot of transactional transactions at the same time, and I do not envy uh, that front office right now because their their nights must be very long. I don't. Yeah, I honestly. There's there's typically like oh I wish they had I wish they would do A or I wish they would do B or C and it's like I don't know what A B or C even is like is feasible and yeah it's a it's a it's a very tricky place for them to be they'll they'll do something I don't Tim Hardaway's not gonna be on this roster come the start of the season but what what that thing will be is honestly very difficult to see yeah. And it's their job and everybody's jobs is hard in its own way. Uh, you know, the point of that was to be like, yeah, this is really complicated <laughs> to talk more, you know, superficially, but like, let's, this is a results based industry. It's, it's a, the way that we view sports is through what you do, not what you try to do. And I guess the question is like, let's just make it as simplistic as possible. If the choice is between Jared Allen you know, who is a starting center that the team says they want or Grant Williams, which one are you taking? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know what? I'm taking Jared Allen. I'm taking Jared Allen because uh, I think they can find... I I honestly, I think Omex Prosper is going to come along much faster than Derek Lively and can fill that, even if it's not completely this season, and fill up some of those minutes. And I think having a rim protector for their defense is just a little bit more important than having a legitimate center. And I also think at some point, Jared, Jared Allen's going to be more tradable down the line, I think, especially in his last deal, if they want to get off of him. If Derek Lively is just an incredible player in year two or year three, and they're like, we don't really need Jared Allen at this point, and we can move him for other assets. I just think Jared Allen is the, is the better player. And so I, I at this point, I think I'd rather go for the talent and try to fill in that additional spot somewhere else. I think that's a fairly reasoned and measured and a argued point. And uh, I could not completely disagree more. So it's <laughs> great. Makes for a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a wing defender. They, they, yes, I agree that Omax is going to be more NBA ready than lively, but 
they don't have any wings, Austin. That's, that's, that's true. They don't. Like, they would like, still have he, to sign another wing. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's and when we feel like the backup option, especially now that uh, uh, just went to Chicago, uh, who we were just talking about the Drummond, the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phoenix guy's gone, and and uh, not a big fan of Thibault. I don't. I've seen a lot of people say they really like PJ Washington, so I'm probably wrong about this. I'm gonna, but my initial impression is that I'm I'm not as curious as everybody else is on him. Also, I don't think he's very obtainable. Um, I feel more strongly about the second one than the first one because I've seen some really smart people, you know, express how big of fans they are of PJ Washington, and so I probably just haven't looked at him enough. Um, I do think Grant Williams is more obtainable than 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 PJ Washington, but it's so hard to tell. It is it is so hard to tell. A lot of it depends on how serious Boston is about whether they will or won't match, you know, if, if you just extend an offer sheet. Um, I was a weirdo who thought that maybe Grant Williams is a better fit than uh, than Bruce Brown. And that I, probably I, won't I, be I, a popular take, but I, honestly, I might agree with you, I think, because they needed a bigger wing and not a yeah. Bruce Brown, a six, four. And uh, right. And he and plays not big. This- yeah, he but, plays big, but they like they're not the same player. But Josh Green kind of does a lot of the things that Bruce Brown would do here. They already have a player that's pretty similar to that, and I would I would say that I think I would prefer Grant Williams to Bruce Brown. Yeah, for and, and for Bruce Brown to be as good as he can be offensively, as we saw last season, he would really need to. Well, he wouldn't need to do like Luca would need to be willing to you know, move to a slightly more motion based and and quick touches offense. And Grant Williams makes a lot more sense than somebody who's still playing ISO ball and love Luca, but uh I'm more confident that he's has the best shape, you know, best season of being in shape this season than he is just completely radically changes the way he plays. Not even radically, like, you know, I, I'm just not confident that he would bring or or that Bruce Brown's value would be as would show as much next to Luca um, as someone like Grant Williams, who's just a better three point shooter and and more able to be a, a spot up guy and a you know at times a, a closeout guy rather than a you know tertiary creator in a team that has two very ball dominant stars. Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. I think yeah, I think the reason why I value Jared Allen, I think he's just a better basketball player and. An, I think I'm so averse to this team's paint defense last year. I think their interior defense was the worst unit in basketball last year. It was something that was just if even if your point of attack defense isn't great, if you have great interior defense, you can you can survive. And I think it'll be easier for them to survive with great interior defense because they haven't had it. They've never they haven't had it here in. I mean, Porzingis, when he was healthy, especially in 2020, was good interior defense. But outside of that, they have not had that here in. A, a very, very, very long time. And I think people have almost forgotten what it's like to have a good mobile room protector. Mobile-ish. I'm, I'm more sold yeah. on Grant Williams as a playoff player than, than Jared Allen. And that's, that's mostly where my favoring of one over, over the other comes from. Want to talk a little bit about the other signings? Ooh, like Seth Curry? Yeah, I mean, any of them. I, I kind of asked that and then I was going to name them. And then I was like, maybe you're just kind of like, you're going to like telekinesis into it, which one, which one you most want to talk about. And so, yeah, it's open ended. Yeah, yeah, let's do you know what? I, I'll, yeah, we go. I mean, I, I, I mean, we're just say we've seen him. For he's like he's here. Season. Yeah, like we we know he's he's a great, he's a great shooter. 
he works. He was here. Like there's really not much analysis that he. I, honestly, I'm interested to see how he how his minutes are balanced versus Jaden Hardy's minutes because I thought the minutes that I thought Jaden Hardy was going to kind of fill in the Tim Hardaway role on his own. I I think uh, they both play, but I'm very curious whether it ends up being more of a sliding scale. Yeah, whether I'm, there's 30 minutes that both those players can get, and Jaden Hardy ends up on the short end getting 10 minutes a lot of the times because he goes through a rough patch. That yeah. is what I'm very curious to see, and I can absolutely see that as a scenario. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good. Uh, 20 year old insurance, insurance for uh, maybe you don't always trust people who can't go to the bar. <laughs> and, and, and that's and that's the counterpoint that there's been a lot put on or, or uh, the imagined version of what Jaden Hardy is going to be next season. Yeah. Development is not linear, et cetera. All of those things. Like there's, it was go- always going to be asking a lot for Jaden Hardy to just step into the Tim Hardaway Jr. role and be like, Oh, well he's good now. I think that he should have, you know, down the stretch of the season, I thought he should have played a little bit more. And I think that he should absolutely have a rotation role next season. Um, as long as he continues proving that he is deserving of it. But the idea that he is instantly Tim Hardaway Jr. And, you know, or or even like 75% of Tim Hardaway Jr., which I think is probably a more fair summation of what people were thinking he could be. Even that is not by any means guaranteed. And so I'm interested to see how that, that plays out. But I, I, I don't mind Seth Curry on a on a pretty cheap deal that may end up being the, the mid-level exception or maybe put under the mid-level exception if Dallas doesn't use the full mid-level on somebody. Because that way, you at least keep open the option of the biannual exception next season, even if Dallas doesn't use it. Like, it's better to put things under the mid level than the biannual if you have a choice between the two. But it just depends on how things play out. That's that's yeah. kind of a scenario if if Grant Williams is a sign and trade and they do get him, or if they go a different route and get big money from Jared Allen and then don't have the money to, you know, throw a throw a you know a full mid level at somebody. But but signing him to the biannual price gives you the flexibility of at least knowing you can put it under that and then reverting if you need to. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And he's yeah. a, he's a good he's a good player. He's an, an unbelievably good three-point shooter. It's going to be a lot of fun to have him here. Also, it'll be good to have him when Kyrie and Luka miss games. It's good good extra guard insurance. That's actually that's a really good point and and they will. We we know both those players miss games. So Yeah. You know, getting 75 percent of the season from both of them is is ideal. Um, I mean, not ideal. I mean, ideal is that you get 90. But I think it's a reasonable expectation to think both of them are going to miss 12 to 18 games. So that's a really good point. Dwight Powell, even less to say about him. I didn't don't even think be annoyed at him. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 be annoyed at Dwight Powell because he is the representation of the Mavericks own front office roster building failures. He's a good player. You've never, he's you've a good never known a world. He is. He's a good player. You've never known a world without Dwight Powell. <laughs> and you and never and you will never know a world without Dwight Powell. He will he will always be he's a constant. He will always be there. Oh man. Yeah. He he was he was here when the uh when the sun first started burning, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. He was he was here when uh when he, he was the shooter in uh <laughs> in, in the sixties. I, I probably shouldn't say that on a podcast. No, no, he was he was the he was the he was the secret surgeon. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I can't bail myself out. Are, of you, this one. are you saying that he was he was in the crowd? The J- you know, he was in the crowd witnessed. for the for the JFK shooting. Yes, I don't want to actually suggest that Dwight Powell committed an assassination. <laughs> but yeah, he was in the crowd, man. You know, he was a uh, 
he was here you know he was he used to work on the on the railroads and uh on and he'll continue roads. working when the uh when the flying cars run through our skies just like looping around the reunion tower ball um okay enough of that uh who else did they sign isn't isn't oh 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 um oh. Dante Exum oh man i get to i get to go back and live on Dante Exum Island I was on a Don- I was on Dante Exum Island for a very long time and I had to leave there was there were no more resources we ran out of we ran out of shelter we ran out of food and water we had to leave and I'm 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 swimming back I'm I'm swimming back to Exum Island I think I, they needed a an emergency point guard someone who can come in and just fill fill in the gaps maybe 5 10 minutes a game probably maybe sometimes doesn't play uh, but when Kyrie and Luke I think again, most of the games, time doesn't play, but yeah, most yeah, yeah. But when Kyrie Luke and miss game, they have someone who can actually play point guard, which was not the case on the roster last year. They just didn't carry a third person who could be an NBA point guard. He's big, he can defend. Uh, it looks like he played pretty well in Europe in the last couple of years. Um, so so nice he did, but he came off the bench and he averaged like yeah. you know 20, 22 minutes a game. You know, he was not a MVP or a star. And yeah. yes, his three point percentages are better. But he's taking less than four threes per 36 minutes. He's taking fewer threes per 36 minutes than Frank Nilakina last season. I think that the hope is that he is Frank Nilakina, but more comfortable on offense. And I think that's possible. We don't know. You know, like two years in Europe and he played pretty well. I'm not knocking him, to be clear. But I don't think anything about his European stats indicates, oh, man, he's, you know, he's stepping into the rotation. He's a, you know, a hidden gem. His Europe stats are a good Europe player and, you know, a good Europe bench player, a six man. And, you know, there's been a couple of European signings for actual MVPs that, you know, we are not even sure how they're going to translate. I, I don't, I don't think Dante Axum is just going to come in and, you know, you know, just claim a rotation spot from, from the opening day of training camp. And probably will be much less than that in, in terms of his role here. And so that's my big picture thoughts on, on Axum and, I think you lost me on the uh, the last few thirty seconds of it, but uh, your internet okay over there? It's gonna is it gonna make it? It's, it it might make it. I think we're we're, all, we're st- I'm on back on Exum Island and we're not getting all of our broadband yet. Was trying to we're still trying to get some fiber optics and it's it's still tough out here. But we're we're gonna be back up. Don't don't you worry. Come train man, camp, man. Yeah, I, I just I can't believe that Exum Island doesn't have FiOS. It you doesn't. Know, that, that would. Not- not not yet. We gotta wait until we're not we're on a fully guaranteed contract and like multi year to get that full internet. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like it's been done. You know, I didn't want to. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion, and I'm Shay Serrano, and we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies, Woo! and it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. That's fair. Well, uh, big picture thoughts, summing all this up, uh, vibe check, you know, let's, let's, let's do vibe check of like, just where are you feeling and, and what do you think? You, are you going to feel good when this off season is over ish here in a week or two or three or however long it takes, you know, f- for me, because I wanted them to build long-term, they, they built a lot of points in with me with their draft night, uh, performance and getting two legitimate, rotation players, uh, future rotation players between Lively and, and Prosper and addressing the two biggest areas potential for rotation them. players. Yeah. Pretend, yes. Yeah. Down, down the line. Ones we like. Yeah. And um, yeah, and they, they took their number 10 pick and they created a larger margin for error so that even, even if they fail in free agency, which, which could happen, at least they have something to look forward to in the future. And there's just, and there's something, there's a backstop, not for this season, but down the line, uh, you won't have to look at the roster and say, there's nothing on this roster that's going to come about in the next year or two. That seems like a fair evaluation. And I'd be surprised if they don't leave the offseason, head into next season with some sort of starting level player. It might be one. It might only be one player. It might be that the combination of actually whatever it takes to acquire that player and whatever they need to do to get off of Tim Hardaway Jr. and JaVale McGee's contracts, that might be it. Um, They could surprise me. I I don't think it's impossible that they end up with two new players, whether they're starter level of, you know, I think one will be, you know, I don't think we would view Matisse Leibel as that, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's in that, at in that vein of sorts but i feel i do feel like they're probably going to do something um and i think i'd be okay if the center rotation you know if i'm the mavericks and the center rotation going into the season is is powell holmes lively and maxi there's worse trios foursomes than that and it's not the grand plans that dallas envisioned but i think the mechanisms for what they did and how they built this offseason were pretty good and when you dig yourself this big of a hole and have to dig out of in one summer when it's a not the best for agency class and when, uh, you know, you only have so many team building tools at your disposal. It doesn't make, you know, if you're a fan, you don't have to feel better about leaving the offseason without, you know, a real center if that's what comes to be. And I'm not saying you should. But I am saying that, you know, these are indicative of what happened before. Partially this front office, partially others partially just how things played out. And I think what Dallas has done so far, and we'll see 
But I think what they've done so far to set themselves up feels fairly good to me. The process has felt fairly good. Yeah, I think I think I agree. Good process, but ultimately they get judged by their results. So we'll see how it turns out. Exactly. Well, Austin, thank you for fighting through the uh, the shark infested waters near Dante Exum Island to make it to the one spot of the ocean that had a little bit of Wi-Fi signal. Listeners, thank you for doing the same thing. Um, but just in general, I imagine that everybody who listens to our podcast is just, you know, seafaring. They're just living lives of luxury on boats right now. And, you know, I love that. Uh, tomorrow at your 4th of July celebrations, if you're on a boat, I cannot recommend more just loudly playing this podcast. It goes over great, fantastic with women. They're huge fans. So everybody will love it. N- nobody will be losers. Everybody will be winners. Just play this podcast. I'm Tim Cato. I will not be on a boat tomorrow, but hopefully in some body of water at some point. And uh, don't know when we're going to be back, but we will have episodes to react to things that happen and hopefully to wrap up the offseason here in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, once I'm back from Las Vegas summer league. So we'll see you then. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.